Motown Rundown, welcome back. Today is Trent. What day is it? It what is it? Tuesday, July nineteenth. Tuesday, July nineteenth. Thank you, Trent. Uh, we are back with another episode after a two-week hiatus. Breaking news: rejoining the podcast this week, our friend Ryan Collins. Ryan Collins, welcome back to the podcast. Here, here this Trent and I were debating this when we recorded without you the one time. Did you listen to the podcast that you missed? No shot, guys. I don't listen to any of the I knew it. I Someone owes me money for that, Trent. I, yeah, you did. I, yeah. I don't listen to anything. I, I don't think I've ever listened to anything I've ever done. Collins, well, I, I gave you That's the benefit of the doubt. I, I gave you the benefit of the doubt. I, I said do you, you listen, I'm, I'm not Do you guys listen to stuff? I don't, I, I've never done that. With, no, with I, don't, I don't listen I don't listen back to the stuff that we do, but I was, I think if I was in your shoes and I was not I would, on the previous pod, I would listen to what you guys said. That That's fair. To be fair though, I, the reason I was on the pod, I was so busy. So I just wasn't on my phone and doing so. I'm not, I don't know. Right, well, what, fine. what's, you were gone at a bachelor party for Kyle Collins. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I was. Good I didn't even know your brother was getting married, by the way. I, I Maybe I did know that. I did know that. Yep, Kyle Collins is getting married in like a month, so his bachelor parties this weekend it was a lot of fun. A lot of his friends came into town from Houston, Colorado, some other people from GR. It was a good time, good time with the pals. Where'd you go? Where were you? We're at my parents' uh, cottage up north. That's not that's a sneaky, nice nice spot to do. I mean, like usually yeah, they, it seems like, like Nashville is the destination these days. I don't hate it, but. I mean, what's it called? I mean. Like I said, my brother's like seven years older, so it's a little bit different stage. Like these guys have done them all at this <laughs> stage, and they're just they they know it. Like my brother basically knew what he wanted. He's like, I want to go up north, want to relax, have a couple pops with the guys. It's basically, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was a good time, good time, good vibes. Were there any uh Were there any uh exotic dancers ordered to the no, cottage? They, they, don't, no? they don't have Kept any the- of those in Canadian lakes. <laughs> Kept did you so someone looked clearly. You guys got the I mean, classy though. Oh no, yeah, no. We did go to Christina. That was basically it. I respect it. Good stuff. Trent, what have you been up to? What's going on? Uh looking for jobs, kind of feeling like a loser, having fun though, staying winning, stay staying positive. When when do you move out from East Lansing? Uh August 14th. Dude, I I know I keep telling I need to get up there before you move out of there. I well, have got, to. You're welcome anytime. You just gotta let me know. I know. Well, you it doesn't seem like you're in East Lansing all that much. Well, I go like probably once a week. I mean, like I'm not oh really? I'm not, I'm not no, I'm not based on it because I'm working at home. I'm not like no, I know that. You but you're not that I mean you're 45, it's a 45 minute drive, right? It's an hour, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's doable it's, for it's, like it's a night. Easy, yeah, it's an easy hour. I've made plenty of just like one day, one night trips. This well, summer. you don't, you guys don't have uh, uh, AC in that house, do you? No, but it's yeah, really, it's really it, it has not you been that die. bad this summer. There was that one really bad week, but it's, it's not been that bad this summer, to be honest. You can usually make do. Okay, not bad. I'll find my way up there sometime. All right, fellas. Well, without further ado, we are here on the Motown Rundown. We do talk about Detroit sports. We have a lot to catch up on. Um, Red Wings, we have a ton to do today. Uh, draft recap. We have to talk about the free agent kaboom that the Red Wings made. Um, a couple new coaching hires. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, the Tigers today at the end of the show. It is the all-star break, so we do 
I guess, I don't know. There's a lot of tiger stuff that we didn't really hit on before the break. I mean, we did take a couple weeks off there, so um, we'll catch up on that. We'll get Ryan Collins' thoughts back in the mix uh, and Pistons summer league too. I don't know if anyone cares. Did you guys see that the Portland trailblazers got rings for winning the summer league? Yeah, that's a joke. I don't know what's all, all the tweets were like silver has the league cooked or it's like Stern's rolling over in his grave made me laugh because like, <laughs> it's just, I, it's one of the most preposterous things ever. Why would they ever do that? It doesn't make any sense. Here's my, it, here's my spin on it. My, my spin. And spin I, I, I ultimately agree with you, Collins. Like, I think it's kind of absurd, but a lot of those guys aren't ever even going to make the league. So it's exciting. Oh, I know. And, and honestly, like who cares? Like, that's my thing. I think a trophy is fine. Like you have a trophy. That's all you need. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they make rings for like winning the Big Ten. I think that sometimes that's way different, though. That's actually like legit accomplishing something. Sure, but I think I think that can sometimes be a little like those rings are obnoxious sometimes, and it's like like people. What's it called? Every like I remember this was a whole thing with Michigan fans. They were chirping Michigan State fans for putting the Michigan game on their rings for their Peach Bowl rings, and I'm like, I think every college football team since like 1985 has done shit like that. Yep. Like for games like that. And then people were like, oh, this is classic. It's rent free. I'm like, I think Michigan say I I like everyone does that. So I I, I hear what you're saying, but like that's the Michigan fan base for you in a nutshell. I mean, Michigan State fans would probably do the same thing. It was the opposite way. So I mean, they're not the most Michigan Michigan State are it's like the most toxic Twitter environment. Maybe in America. It's the worst. It, it's <laughs> so bad. Yeah. And I love it. I really do love it. I embrace it because everything is so absurd. It, it's almost like, Collins, you know, like all the LeBron takes, like the LeBron. Yeah, it's like, yeah, the, for, uh, we're almost getting to the point. By the way, we've gotten to the point with the LeBron takes where no one cares anymore. I know. No one I gives a shit. I, I don't think anyone gets heated about a LeBron take. They're like, whatever. Yeah. Myself included. I used to. Like when, yeah, you, guys, but, yeah. when you guys first met like, me, I was like hard on my sleeve for LeBron. Now I literally don't give a shit. If you think LeBron. Yeah, like, I, I, no one cares. Yeah. But like, what's it called? Like this week, I think, uh, what, who, the guy, I first of all, I hate this guy at Barcel, Jack Matt. Has some of the worst tastes about college football. <laughs> I hate no, he's legit brutal. I, 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 I think during the it, first of all, him and Big Cat compared the Michigan Michigan State rivalry to like Duke versus Virginia in basketball. And I've like, I don't think I've ever been more upset listening to something and being so, uh, I don't know, it was just one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. But, um, he was basically saying he actually had to take this read. It's like Ohio State and Michigan fans don't actually hate each other. And I've, I'm not going to go down this path. I've always said that. It's a huge football rivalry for the players. Like, there's a ton of tradition there, and it's their biggest game on the year for the players. You are crazy if you're telling me the fans care more about that Ohio – whatever. I'm not going to go into it. I'm just saying, like, Michigan fans lose to Ohio State. It's like, whatever. It always has been like that. I, I, I stand by it. Maybe in the 90s it was different, but ever since I've been alive, it's, I was gonna say definitely in our lifetime, but you know, definitely it's been it's way. I mean, that game's way different in our lifetime because it's been if Michigan makes it more competitive and it's more back and forth, maybe it, that changes. But my lifetime, I don't know. Well, but that's getting back to the summer league rinse thing. Crazy. I what's it called? Quickly mention the Pistons. We get we just do five seconds on it because yeah, I, sure. I, I, I don't, well, because I have time thing. for that. Jaden Ivy was was great until he got hurt. It's nothing serious. He's gonna be fine. 
Jalen Duran was fun to watch. Beef Stew started shooting threes, showed a little bit of like an offensive, at least game that you can respect. And he won't be so like one dimensional. Yeah. That was interesting. But, you know, live and let live, Dwight. I didn't really, there wasn't a whole lot for me to get excited about. I don't think anyone other than those three I mentioned are going to make the team. Well, Isaiah Livers, too. But uh, other than that, it I think Livers is going to be pretty good. Livers is going to be a nice piece for them. I mean, I get it. I, I get the I get the hype. I get the appeal. He also shot one for nine from three in one of those summer league games. I just I, I he is one of those guys. Even though I mean, I've seen him have really good games. I mean, I've watched so much Michigan basketball and so much Big Ten basketball. I've watched him a ton, and I really liked his game. And I really I think it just fits in the NBA what he does. And he's yeah. a bigger dude. If he, I don't know how like. People are saying he's like a three and D guy. I don't necessarily remember him being a great defender at Michigan. Yeah, he's not. But he's a bigger dude, so I mean, maybe he can turn into that a little bit, not having the much offensive capabilities. Yeah, like a PJ so, Tucker kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, but like maybe he figures out. I just like Livers on the offense, and I like his mat matchup gel with everyone else. I first of all, before the draft, we came on here and said, I mean, I didn't like the Jay Nivey pick. And I said that before the draft. People really need to slow their roll. I it literally it legitimately bugs me that people are just like accounting Ivy going for and not having a great offensive year and just like being really bad defensively, honestly, all year on them just having two seven footers. It makes no sense to me. Uh, like I like what Ivy does. I said this from the beginning. If he has the ball in his hands in a high pick and roll, he's legit dangerous. He's one of the most athletic guys. I'm just, I'm not like full on, like full on borders. Like this guy's one of the, going to be one of the best combo guards in the league. Like let's relax. Yeah, I see, agree. Like, there's, a, there's a reason he went behind these guys in the first three parts of the draft. People are talking about like he's has opportunity to be the best player in the draft. Maybe he is. Maybe he proves me wrong, but there was a lot of things at Purdue I really didn't like. So I just, I want people to hold their horses. I like what I've seen, though. What I saw in Summer League, and I don't think Summer League means anything. It doesn't. It does, yeah. Legit doesn't mean anything. I think his jumper looked a little bit more smooth. I liked what he did in the high pick and roll. He's a guy who's going to turn the ball over a lot. So you got to be ready for that, which I'm fine with, because I think they have a lot of efficient guys. It's fine to have a guy like Ivy Nimitz, and he's an athletic freak. So his first four years in the league, he's going to make an impact, I think. And you could see that, like, you, athletically, you're like, this guy is on a different level. So that – um, the Jalen Duran thing, them being obsessed with him, I don't really see it. Um, I do. I, That's I, my guy, 100%. I I get what they're doing. I like the idea. And, and I understand there was like, hey, how about we just give up barely nothing to move back in the 12 instead of paying $135 million for DeAndre Aiden, which would have got matched anyway. So anyone who's complaining about that seems like the Suns are going to always match it. Um, I I just, the Jalen Durant thing, I, I like the athletic tools and whatever. He's just a guy at Memphis that there was no structure there. So I have no idea. He's another guy. I, I think he is. I like that. I, I, I don't even know if I liked what I saw, but, He's a guy sneaky has a little bit better of a jumper than has been put on display, but yeah, I don't want him finish. to do that. He can finish around the rim too. I no, I don't think he is going to be called to do that. No, he, he and Bagley will have like this 
tag team run to the rim. Well, Bagley, Bagley's more of an offensive player. He's got a little bit more of an offensive touch. For sure. But Duran Duran definitely does have I think he's got a he's got good finishing ability around the rim and he's athletic, like you said, and that's a lot of what it's based off of. So that's why it's encouraging to see that beef stew is that well look, but I, I'm I am not saying the Pistons are gonna run plays for Isaiah Stewart. That ain't gonna happen. But I'm just saying like if you can make people in defenses respect his offensive game, that opens up a ton of doors for him. And I really think that the Pistons' best lineup by the end of the season is going to have Beef Sue coming off the bench, which is totally fine. And I think Jalen Duran's going to butt into your starting center. That's kind of what I think. Yeah, I, we'll see. I'm just – I'm really excited to see Cade. And what's it called? I, I will say this. One thing I discredited, the fit with Ivy and Duran is really good. Yes, and that's kind of what they went for. And that's the one thing I think I got wrong, saying that, like, hey, Ivy needs the ball, and I want Cade with the ball. But if you are a winning basketball team, you truly do need two playmakers at least, at least. And I think the Pistons potentially can have three if Sadiq's handled. It's a little bit better. I'm not saying Sadiq is, like, going to take guys ISO, but I do think he can trade for himself a little bit. So I think that's what I, I, I'll admit. I probably am wrong with that, saying that, like, hey, you know, because what's it all? You see with Luca, Luca is so good, but when someone is so heliocentric, do they really win? So I, I mean, I don't know. We'll see with Ivy. I'm really excited for this Pistons team. I think the Pistons and Wings have firmly solidified themselves as the most exciting teams in the city in the last like month. And I'm excited. I'm excited to watch the Wings for the first time in fucking forever. Thank you for that beautiful segue, Ryan Collins. I know. I'm just, way, I, I, I know. I didn't, like I said, I didn't listen to the last podcast. And I don't know how much you guys talked about it, but I am like, fight, like firmly fired up to watch the wins this year. Good. By the way, I wanted to mention whatever word you used in there. Did you hear that word that he used, Trent? Hein- not heinous. It's not with an Heliocentric. H. What does that mean? That's a great word. Crime and squad. Uh, it Crime basically means like a whole team revolves around it. That's outstanding that you use that. Ryan Rusillo says it all the time. Isn't, James, isn't that James like Harden. a, isn't that like a space term? Or is it I don't a- know, but Ryan Rusillo says about James Harden. So, <laughs> so I stole that from him. Sorry. I love it. What I also what I also love to hear is that Ryan Collins is fired up to watch the Detroit Red Wings and deservedly so. Um, in this segment of the Motown Rundown, I will put some of you to sleep. Some of you will get fired up. Hopefully. Trent and Ryan Collins can contribute to the conversation. I'd love to have you guys. Oh, I'm ready. Um, but dude. I did several, some wins research just last week. Several things to touch on here. Collins, feel free to jump in any time to combat my rambling. Um, first two not so sexy things regarding the team. Um, two more assistant coaching hires. Um, Bob Bugner comes over from the San Jose Sharks, the boogeyman. Um, he was the head coach of the Sharks for, I think, the last year or two. I believe he took over for maybe in somewhat of an interim basis. I didn't do a ton of homework on that, but um, in Jay Verardi, Verardi, whatever, however you want to pronounce that again, probably should have done some more research on the pronunciation of these names. Um, but he comes from the Tucson Roadrunners of the AHL. Um, it looked like he spent some time uh, in the 2020, 21 season up with the uh, Arizona coyotes on their staff under Rick Tockett. Um, but for the majority of his last four or five years or so, he's been in the AHL with Tucson, um, really, really great things coming from, from Tucson, as far as the development of, of some of their prospects over the last couple of years, and just taking that team from, 
a really nothing organization to uh, actually competing. And his record over there as head coach has been has been pretty damn good. So um, nothing really much to analyze here. We talked about the the hiring of Derek Lalonde the last time that we talked. Um, so I won't get too much into it. I'm not going to sit here and act like I, I know a ton about either of these guys. Um, but for the most part, I think that you can just put your faith in Steve Eiserman that he added two guys to the staff that still bring back Alex Tangay um, is, you know, as, as part of this staff now that he's kind of put together. And I mean, if you trust in the Iser plan, you have to trust in the guys that he puts in place to steer the ship too. And on the same front of coaching, Jeff Blashill, tip your cap over to the Tampa Bay lightning. Um, it's funny how people are like, Oh, they're just kind of like trading players and shuffling them around. And I don't know, I guess maybe the wings and lightning are doing this robbing Peter to pay Paul type of thing. But I think with the connections that were made between, Iserman being with the lightning and now him being in here in Detroit. I think it, you know, I don't know. It makes sense, but wishing all the did best. They, did they coach in Durant Rapids together? Who? Was Cooper? Cooper was in Durant Rapids. Am I crazy? You are crazy. Fuck. I don't believe John Cooper ever coached in Grand Rapids. No. He, he didn't coach in, like, Lan- he in Lansing. Uh, high school hockey yeah, that's Lansing. Not, yeah. My bad. Same, same thing. But no, My I bad. I, I think that's just more of a product of uh, Iserman as someone that extended Jeff Blaschel's contract, probably put in a pretty good word for him to send him over to both Michigan um, guys Sorry. to John Cooper. Yeah. I mean, Hey, it's like, we'll take uh, Derek Lalonde off your hands, but we'll send you our guy. So um, I guess somewhat of a, a good deal for both sides there, but um, so the coaching staff is set. It looks like going forward, which is great. Um, again, just, just, you gotta just kind of trust in Steve Iserman from that standpoint. I won't, I won't read too much into the coaches or play pretend like I'm, you know, tapped into a lot of these guys coaching careers. Um, nonetheless, um, the, the most important thing to take, maybe not the most important thing, but the first thing to take care of business here, just based on timeline goes NHL entry draft, um, some pretty big stuff at the top of the draft. And I want to, I want to go back to my hot take of the century of me telling Trent on here before the draft, I could see the the first defenseman not being taken in this draft until after the wings pick and one got taken second overall. And then there was another one taken too, I think in the top five. So um, great job by me with the hot take pretty brutal. Hate to see it. Um, But nonetheless, some nice drama up at the front. Shane Wright was probably the consensus number one overall pick since he was granted exceptional status from the OHL uh, when he was 15 years old. Um, And you would, you would think that the Montreal Canadians would want to take a kid that is Canadian and has captained some team Canada teams, um, but they go off the board a bit with Uri uh, Slavkovsky from Slovakia. The first two picks are actually Slovakians, which is which was pretty cool. And it's the first time that that's happened. So um, cool for that country. Um, Shane Wright drops down to four going to the uh, Seattle Kraken. So um, right off the bat, you had some drama. But I think the 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 top five ish, I would say, leading almost right up into the wings was I, I wouldn't call it chalk, but a lot of the names that you thought were going to fly in some order. Um, we're gone. The one that stung was Cutter Gauthier. I told Trent on the podcast two weeks ago, if, if he was available, I'd be all over it. And that's who I would love to have. He went five to the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, other than that, though, I don't think anyone came off the board that I was really dying to get. So um, the wings are at eight. And with the eighth overall pick, they take Marco Casper out of Rogla of the SHL. Um, I think as, as time went on and as, as you kind of heard these analysts speak throughout the draft, and put the pieces together a bit. I mean, I guess I don't want to say the writing was on the wall because it seems like the Red Wings are always famous for, at least in the Steve Eiserman era of, of making these picks that 
that, you know, kind of come out of nowhere. Um, but he, he fits the mold of, of what the Red Wings need just from the standpoint of he's a true centerman. Um, he's, he's Austrian born, but playing in Rogla this last year in the SHL, um, which is where most cider got sent to play. Um, I believe Simon Edmondson's coming from Rogla. I believe either Liam Dower Nielsen, or, uh, I'm trying to think of the other kid, Teddy Niederbach, one of those two, if not both, um, played for Rogla as well this last year. I think one of them might've been in Frolunda, um, where Lucas Raymond came from, but nonetheless, um, the Red Wings go right back to the well with, with picking a kid from this Swedish league. And, I, I, maybe a lot of people look at that and I, I, if people are confused as to why that happens, I think it's pretty widely regarded that the, the Swedish hockey league being the number one pro league in Sweden is probably the best league outside the NHL. And maybe that doesn't make sense for some people because you look at, well, what about the AHL? Well, to a certain extent, you have some players in the AHL that are, you know, journeymen NHLers that are still trying to kick around the can and, and find a call up here and there, but the for K the most is part, probably better than the A too. Yeah, I would, I would, I would not disagree with that at all. I, I would just think that I think the consensus as time has gone on is the SHL would be even better than the KHL. So, um, I, I think Steve Eiserman and of course they they have some incredible roots down in Sweden. I mean, we have Lindstrom on the scouting staff now, um, or I guess in the front office, I should say Nicholas Cronwall, part of that scouting department now. So. Um, they're pretty dialed in and, and tapped into Sweden. And I, I think that they really appreciate how the game is played over there. Not a lot of goal scoring. And it's it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot more defensive hockey. There's not a ton of odd man ch- odd man chances um, and, and, and things of that nature. So the, the, the defensive game is preached over there, which is, I, I believe, what Steve Eisman wants to build here with this team. So um, to go back to Marco Casper, and I'll kind of run through the other draft picks very briefly as well. Um, again, to a certain extent, am I going to pretend to know where these kids that come out of deep, deep Russia are all about? No, but Marco Casper is, you know, as, as the draft got closer and as the year went on, um, not someone that I think caught a lot of eyes at the beginning of the season. I don't exactly know where he was ranked as far as scouting is concerned to start the year. Um, but as time went on and, and as the season progressed, uh, he was really climbing up the rankings. And I think he impressed a lot of people with his play. Um, I really think that the what put him over the edge was how he played in the world championships uh, with Team Austria. He captained that team. Um, and, and coming off of that, I, I, I think on most draft boards, you would probably consider him a top 15 to 20 player in this draft. Um, and, and one of the first things that Steve Eiserman said after the draft pick was, you know, we're, we think that a lot of people sleep on his skill level. So they obviously see a very high ceiling for Marco Casper as far as his skill level is concerned. Um, the, the best part of his game is his skating. And if you look at a lot of these Steve Eiserman draft picks and what he's trying to assemble here, skating seems to be a, a top priority for him. And I got to actually watch a couple minutes of, um, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes of, of development camp at Little Caesars Arena. And I was able, I actually walked in there during Marco Casper's group and um, doing a lot of drills of just like deception and, and, and shooting through screens and um, having to adjust your body to pull around a defender and shoot. And I, I, I was really impressed with his skating as well. I think he's great on his edges. Um, he's got a really, really explosive first step. And I mean, when you watch this kid, as far as his, the way his hands and his feet match up, and I always talk about the pinnacle of that is Nate McKinnon, not that I'm comparing Marco Casper to Nate McKinnon, but just a really, really smooth skater, um, really great body control. I think he, he looks incredibly balanced and it, his frame, I believe he's about six foot two. Um, I think he's around 180 or so. I'd have to double check on his exact measurements, but um, really nice frame as a centerman. Um, 
and the numbers aren't going to jump out at you. Um, he played, it looked like he played 10 games in the SHL in the 2020 to 21 season as a 16 year old. Um, and then he played 46 games for Rogo this last season uh, with 11 points. So of course the numbers don't jump out at you, but again, talking about a kid that didn't turn 18 until it looks like his birthday's in April. So, you know, all things considered with him going to play pro at the number one pro league in Sweden, um, like nothing, nothing about the lack of numbers scares me at all. Lucas Raymond, I think had 10 points and however many games he played in his draft year in the SHL. So um, I don't necessarily think that the, the, the upside for Casper you're looking at is like this insane offensive uh, production from him, but the, the Red Wings believe that he can be a top six center on this team. And maybe he would grade out as more of a middle six guy for, I don't know, I guess just in layman's terms for the rest of the league might look at him as a middle six guy, but um, I think his ceiling could, could really solidify him as a very, very solid second line center. And in the, the things that you read about this kid of just a really high motor um, and a really competitive kid. And that's, again, when you talk about these intangible things that Steve Eisman wants, um, they, they think that coupled with how underrated they think his skill level has been throughout this draft year. Um, and if they think that he can be a better offensive player than he might get credit for then great. But I think just his, his defensive game, um, and his skating ability and his compete level are all things that um, really jump off the page as far as where he grades out against his competition. So um, it, it sounds like, too, I was reading the other day, I might have, you know, I assumed that he would just go back to Rogla and, and play back in the SHL. It sounds like he's going to go to the OHL, actually, and play for the Sioux Greyhounds, I believe was the team. Um, so a little bit of a surprise there, but again. Sioux I, Greyhounds, yuck. Well, I, I, it is, it is a surprise because, because you'd think that they would want him to play against um, some stiffer competition with, with playing with older men in the SHL. But um, as a centerman, I think the idea there is they probably want him to get used to playing on the smaller ice in North America versus in Sweden, where you're playing on the Olympic sheets. So I think that's, that's probably part of the game plan. And he did sign his entry-level contract and, you know, maybe right off the hop, people look at that and go, oh, my gosh, maybe he's going to play for Grand Rapids next year. I don't see it happening as a kid that is freshly 18. Um, so he'll spend a season in in um, in the Sioux with with the Sioux Greyhounds. And, and what you're, I guess, hoping out of that, too, is that he's going to get to play against kids, kids his own age. And with, again, his skating ability and in. Maybe you haven't seen the offense so far throughout his young career, but I mean, man, you're, you're now putting a kid that was playing against grown men in the second best professional hockey league in the world. And now you're putting him in a junior league in the OHL. Like I, I, I could just see this kid tearing it up and you can get really excited if you're a Red Wings fan. So maybe pump up his pump, his tires a bit, let him fill the net a bit and, you know, see how many points he can throw up there. And like I said, get used to that. Uh, get, get used to that smaller ice that you play over here on North America and, and we'll roll the balls out. So um, depth down the middle is, is, is what, the, what they solved here with uh, their, their eighth overall selection. So, um, you know, pretty cool that he got to, he got to sign his entry-level contract during development camp. And again, for the 30 minutes I watched him, um, you know, it looked pretty good and you, you can't tell a lot by skill development drills and 30 minutes of day one or two of the development camp, but, um, you know, obviously the Red Wings are high on him, so I'll be high on him as well. Um, I guess going down the list here to, to clean up the draft stuff, 
Um, at 40th overall, you take Dylan James um, from the USHL Sioux City Musketeers. Um, this was one that I maybe have, was considered a reach because I think he was projected to go around the third round, and you take him at really the beginning of the of the second round. Um, 61 points in 62 games as a rookie in the USHL, which is no small feat. He was he was tied for 17th in league scoring. Um, I have really a question. I have a question. Did they have tape ahead. on him during the draft? Did they have tape on him, or is this a July Kavai Kavai situation? Yeah, <laughs> I try. I I'm sure they had tape on him. I was uh, I was working the draft party for the Wings, so I was kind of out and about. Um, I saw. How was that, Rabs? How how was it, it was in cool, comparison man. to the Lions one that we went to? Well, it was it was the same kind of deal. I think the Lions one for like the VIP and whatnot was a bit more classic. You got to go down there and you heard people speak like. The Red Wings are like, look, as an original six franchise, the Red Wings are pretty buttoned up and it's not a lot of flashy, like smoke and mirror stuff. It's just like, hey, you guys can come out, play some cornhole, have a couple drinks, knock down some chicken tenders. But like, we're here to see who we're taking. Like, we're a classy franchise. So it was a lot of people there. I think 5,000 plus people on the Chevy Plaza. Um, so it was cool. And, and of course, it was funny with this pick again, like the cider pick. No one knew who this kid was. So that they take Marco Casper and, and like, you, didn't hear a peep. So um, no idea if they showed tape on, on Dylan James. Um, but just from, from reading some of his scouting reports, um, really high energy player on the wing, um, pretty complete game. It sounds like in all three zones um, and playing for a team that went on to win the USHL championship this year. Um, and he was the rookie of the year in the USHL. So um, I was reading this the other day that I thought was pretty cool. Um, just of, of other guys that have won the USHL Rookie of the Year Award, Joe Pavelski, Max Pacioretty, Johnny Gaudreau, Jake Gensel, Anders Lee, and Andrei Svechnikov. So some pretty pretty damn uh, pretty damn good company that, that his name is in for winning that award. So um, he's going over to North Dakota to play in the NCAA. So if he can translate that success over to the college game, then great. Um, but, you know, as, again, for a team that has struggled with, with the offensive production side of things, um, and for a kid that had a tremendous rookie year and a really, really good junior league, um, you know, I, hopefully that grades out to be a really solid pick uh, with Dylan James. Then you go 52nd overall, Dmitry Bachelnikov out of uh, St. Petersburg in the, uh, I think it's the junior league over the top junior league over there um, in Russia. This was, this was probably, if you want to look at this draft and go, okay, like this was a reach, I would say this is the one. And I don't want to get into any of the stuff about, you know, like the, what Russia is going to be able to rounder? do. Huh? What is he, a third rounder? This was still in the second round. So oh, okay. Dylan James went 40th overall, and, and Bacheronikov went 52nd overall. Um, a, a defenseman. You got a big board grabs? Huh? You got an NHL draft big board? What's going on here? What do you mean? I'm just, I'm just telling you where they got picked. You but just you said that like, was kind of a reach. Yeah, well, it <laughs> yes, and I'm just like just from you know looking at, I guess yes, looking at draft boards and and you know hearing how these players are discussed, it, it seemed like he was being talked about. As there were a lot of players ahead of him that were maybe considered better. He he missed the cutoff for last year's draft by like a week as far as his age. So like he's. I mean, he was barely eligible, like almost eligible for the draft last year. Um, so not that that matters all that much. And again, I don't, I don't know how much we want to read into like, what's the deal with the Russian players with whatever. Um, but it's, it sounds like this kid was really this, like whoever scouts for the wings in Russia 
these guys were really, really pushing hard for this kid. And I guess that's why he gets taken where he was. Um, and it sounds like this, you know, this could end up being a reach. And if he pans out, I mean, this could be one of those Steve Eiserman picks of like in the things you you read about the the similarities of like, oh, well, you know, Nikita Kucherov was taken in the second round when, when Steve Eiserman was there in 2011. So I don't know if we're talking about one of those situations, but he was he was really highly touted by these um, by the by the scouts in Russia that, that work for the wings. Um, and it, and so far I was reading an article too the other day about how he's, you know, he's really eager to, 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 to learn English and he's, he's asking for video coaches to, um, sit down with them over, you know, while he's in Russia and, and watch some tape to help him get better. So, um, I guess the one downside, he is only five foot 10, um, but he is in, incredibly, incredibly gifted offensively for a defenseman, like another really, really good skater. Um, yes, he's undersized at 5'10", but with the upside of his offensive game, um, and it's something that I think Red Wings defensemen are, are lacking, just given the pool of defensemen they have. So it, it'll be some time before you you hear this name probably come over to North America, but um, I, I'm sure he'll get a crack in the KHL next year, uh, just, you know, just assuming. Um, and, you know, that's that's your pick there at 52. Just to keep moving on here. Um, at 105th overall, I take Anton Johansson, uh, six foot four right shot defenseman. So, I mean, a, 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 a pretty solid frame there. And as you've seen Steve Eiserman draft these defensemen in the last couple of years, um, you know, licking your chops at six foot four. Um, so big right-handed shot there. 113th overall, they stay somewhat close to home with Amadeus Lombardi out of the Flint Firebirds OHL team. Um, this was another kid that was that was at the development camp when I was watching, and there were a couple really nice highlights of him scoring some awesome goals um, in that development camp scrimmage they ended up playing in. Um, 59 points in 67 games for him this last season um, in the Ontario Hockey League, which is no small feat for a Flint Firebirds team that um, made a really nice run there in, in the uh, OHL playoffs. Um, he played center for Flint as a, as a left-handed shot. Um, I, I, a lot of things that you read about him too come down to, you know, his, his tenacity, his, his forechecking, his effort level. Um, and I don't know if he'll project to be an NHL center, but um, that's what he played this last year for Flint. Um, continuing just the unbelievable names that the Red Wings selected in this draft, 129th overall, Maximilian Kilpelman. Um, another left-handed center that played in the Swedish junior leagues. Um, I believe it looked like, what, what else am I reading about here, here too? Um, I don't know, nothing that jumps off the page, but, uh, played in the junior league, uh, top junior league over in, over in Sweden, another centerman. Again, a lot of these things with these guys that are, are playing the center position, how many of them project out to be NHL centers? I don't know. Um, but at least you're building some guys that they can play out there. So, uh, 137th overall, they go back to the OHL, the North Bay Battalion, former the former Brampton Battalion. We'll throw back to the Plymouth Whalers days. Tanias Matherin, not to be confused with Benedict Matherin. Um, fifth round pick here, defenseman. Um, I'm trying to think of what. Let's see if I have his measurables at all here. Six foot three, 201 pounds. Um, another another guy who it looks like the the number one thing that comes up on his scouting report is um, great skater. 15 points in 44 games. Um, but really nice defensive potential. Uh, not going to jump off the page offensively for you, but another big mobile defenseman that they can take. Um, 12, 201st overall, Owen Mellenbacher out of Muskegon from the USHL. Um, another center. 
uh, bigger, bigger kid. And it looks like he's going to play at the university of Wisconsin. So you'll see him as a Michigan state hockey fan. Collins watching uh, him play for Wisco next year, 42 points in 56 games in the USHL. Um, and then finally the last pick that the Red Wings took in this draft at 212th overall Brennan Ollie. Um, he was also playing in that, uh, in that development camp that I saw, um, he is actually coming from high school, believe it or not. So he, uh, he played a couple games in the USHL, um, towards the end of his season. I think he's playing in, was it Lincoln? He might've been played in. Um, and he is committed to university of Notre Dame. So, um, I think he's still a year or two away from going off to Notre Dame, but, um, you know, I, I guess this is one of those picks of like, Hey, it's a seventh round pick or, or maybe it was a sixth round, like late sixth round, because I don't think they had a seventh round pick. Um, or maybe not. I take that back the Troy Stetcher trade. So this was a seventh round pick. So, um, I guess, you know, take a chance to the kid that, that made the jump from high school hockey to, uh, to the USHL and, and, you know, committed to play at a big 10 school. So, um, Brennan Ollie's your pick there at the end. Um, another guy that, that is, has experienced playing center with a left-handed shot. So, um, all in all, that's your, that's your draft hall for this year. Um, and you know, to say that I, have a ton of information on these guys taken from the fourth round and on would be disingenuous. But, you know, I, I think again, a lot of this stuff with drafting guys is you trust who you have in the front office. You trust, you trust who's in the scouting department. These guys do their homework. And, you know, if Steve Eiserman shown you anything, he's, you know, he's able to find talent where other guys are not. So um, cool that Marco Casper already gets signed and, you know, he'll be playing not too far, uh, not too far away from, from Detroit playing, you know, playing for the Sioux Greyhounds in the OHL. So um, who knows, maybe they play Flint, Flint this upcoming year, go catch a game, check out the Red Wings future. But um, sounds like they did a pretty good job, you know, in just, you know, whatever draft grades mean to you that come from these analysts. Um, you know, I, I think that it was okay. a, it was pretty well-rounded draft and um, a, a few guys mixed in there that you could consider reaches, but if they hit, I mean, you know, damn, could those be steals? And I was just, you know, I was actually just watching that uh, unrivaled documentary about the Red Wings that I don't know if we want to get into later, if anyone else watched Pretty that. Good. But, you know, you think about guys like Zetterberg and Datsuk that were taken in the sixth and seventh rounds and, you know, all these guys that the Red Wings historically have gotten. You can find talent in later rounds. That's just, that's just how it goes. So um, any, any questions, comments, concerns before we move on to probably the more exciting thing for everyone being Red Wings free agency because, boy, was it an exciting day. Nope, MLB. What's it called? MLB and NHL drafts are just a trap shoot for me. I'm never gonna know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the MLB is probably. I would say it's the hardest by far to draft, just because you know you're these kids are coming from high school and you have international players and all these things and whatnot. But you know, and the, the NHL is like, pretty tough too. Hockey, yeah, it can can definitely be tough. No, I'm but, just saying, like following wise, like the. Right. A lot of league. Yes. A lot of leagues yeah. going on. A lot of like, you know, who's playing in juniors, who's not yada, yada, yada. So anyway, um, that's the draft for you. And now we'll move into free agency. What a day for the Red Wings in free agency. And, and Steve Eiserman had said in press conferences previous, like, we're going to make a splash this year. And, and no, you didn't go get a Johnny Gaudreau. And I, there was never a second in my mind that I thought the Red Wings were ever in on Johnny Gaudreau. And, you know, it just goes to show like, yeah, you think he was in a sign with Columbus though. No, I did not. And I didn't listen to the <laughs> spit and chicklets episode today where I guess he made some comment that he was like this close. And if I know it's bad radio, my fingers are really, really close together. He was this close 
the signing with New Jersey, but then at the last minute he was like, fuck it, let's go to Columbus. So uh, no, I, I, I had, I did not think at all that he was going back to Calgary because I know he wanted to be closer to home and it was, I mean, it was just kind of funny. Like I think Calgary offered him because when you're, when you have more money, well, yeah, I think Calgary, it sounded like it was like eight, eight years for like close to 12 million maybe. And I think he goes to Columbus for like, seven years 9.75 maybe or something like that but he wanted to be closer to home now the, i mean did you think he'd probably go more east coast yeah it sounded like philly was never really seriously in on him new jersey was um and again i didn't listen to that spit and chicklets today where they talked to him about it but columbus it is but as steve eiserman said when he was asked about it like they're pretty set on the wing as far as left-handed shots go and i don't think that this was the year for the red wings to go drop a bag for Johnny Gaudreau. And like, to be honest, like, yes, does it, does it matter that like the size matter in the NHL as much as it used to probably not know Johnny Gaudreau being a tremendously small human being granted. I mean, he had a career year last year, putting up, I think he put up over a hundred points. Um, but it, Johnny Gaudreau is, is, is essentially, I don't want to call him a one trick pony is with that being he was pretty great, good in the playoffs, dude. Yeah. I mean, he's, yes, he's Johnny hockey. Like that's, you know, his, his game is offense and he's an exciting player to watch, no doubt. Um, but I just don't really think it was in the cards this year for the wings to go drop a bag for a guy like that. They're, they're still probably, you know, a, a year or two away from really, really making a push for a big splash. So without further ado, let's talk about a, a couple guys. The Red Wings did not bring back. Um, Mitchell Stevens was a restricted free agent. The wings did not offer him a qualifying offer. Um, two goalies, Philip Larson. And I'm trying to think of the other one, Caden Fulcher, Philip Larson and Caden Fulcher, two goalies for the red wings that, um, were not extended qualifying offers. I'm trying to think of, there's one more guy they did not give a qualifying offer to. I can't think of it. It, it doesn't really matter. Cause he's gone. Um, Carter Rowney's not coming back. Sam Gagne's not coming back. Mark Stahl signed a, uh, $750,000 contract for one year with the Florida Panthers, his brother, Eric Stahl going over there on a PTO. So good for them. Um, Mark Stahl gets to, I guess, probably play his last year of his career in, in the sunshine state. So um, awesome for him. So a couple guys that are no longer with the team that you're probably not losing sleep over. Um, but now with what everyone wants to talk about, um, we'll start off with the biggest signing of the day, just in, in, in terms of term, for lack of a better term, look at that, look at that, Trent, you like that one? Um, Andrew Kopp, center from the New York Rangers, five years, $5.625 million a year. Um, Ann Arbor native, played at the University of Michigan, which is probably has a lot of people rock hard right now. Um, apologize for the children and women listening for that reference, but um, 70 or 53 points in 72 games last year. He is 28 years old. I'm very surprised that the Rangers did not re-sign him just because I believe they gave up a first round pick and some change for him at the trade deadline. Um, really, really good end of the year and playoffs for the Rangers was, was Andrew Kopp. Um, they ended up going with Vincent Trocek, who um, little insider information, um, one of the head coach, one of the potential head coaching hires, um, that had coached Vinny Trocek in, with the Plymouth Whalers. I'm not going to say his name. We probably put the pieces together. Um, when he interviewed with Steve Eiserman for the, for the head coaching job, um, Steve asked him about Vinny Trocek and, and what he thought about him. And, um, and this particular coach said he's one of his favorite players he's ever coached. But 
Um, the, the Rangers ended up dropping a bag for him seven years, I think just shy of six mil or right around it. So, um, two more years on his contract and a little bit more money for, for Vinny Trocek in New York for a guy that's one year older than Andrew Kopp. Um, I definitely think, and, and just based on what I've just, you know, kind of said there too, the wings were 100% in on him, but I think when it came down to numbers and in, in what they were looking at. I don't think they felt like they were losing all that much by um, taking Andrew Kopp instead of Vinny Trocek. So um, the, the, the one glaring thing for me with Andrew Kopp is it, I don't think he's played a full NHL season. If he has, he's only played one just based on injuries, but um, coming from a team in Winnipeg that had a loaded forward group up front these last couple of years, um, this, this right now is projecting to be your second line center. Um, and, you know, if we, we, I don't want to revisit this whole, oh, Dylan Larkins can't be a number one center. This is your second line center for now. I think in a perfect world for the Red Wings, they're probably hoping that if Marco Casper can make this jump sooner rather than later, you bump Andrew Kopp down to that third line center role. Marco Casper slides in as your second line center. And that's how you roll with, with whether it's Valeno or it's Michael Rasmussen playing the center on your, on your fourth line that's how you go for the foreseeable future. And that to me gets me excited 100%. So um, as of right now, I don't want to completely blow, like blow this all up before I talk about it, but you're probably looking at a second line that has Andrew Kopp centering David Perron and Jacob Verana, um, two guys that can absolutely fill up the net. So all you're really going to ask out of Andrew Kopp on that second line is be a tough customer to play against, which he is. And, and get these guys the puck because between David Perron and Jacob Perana, Jacob Verana, you have two bona fide goal scorers. They're going to fill up the net for you. So you have a center here that, that, that plays the two way game. He's hard to play against. He's tough in the corners. He's a really great facilitator of the puck. And like I said, you're not going to ask all that much to do with them. So, um, and I also think the biggest value that you're going to get out of him is, is penalty killer. I mean, he's as far as ice time is concerned, he was, he was atop the, the league leaders in, in ice time as far as being on the penalty kill is concerned. Um, so, you know, that's that's another piece, too, to a, a Red Wings team that has struggled with that in years past. Um, you know, he'll add to that. But you look at, again, look at him in the playoffs, 14 points in 20 games, um, and, and a guy that, that comes very highly respected um, from past teammates um, and from past coaches of, of just being a guy that, he knows what it takes to win. He's a competitive guy. Uh, he's, he's a good guy to have in the locker room and um, uh, a, a nice piece there. And again, is Andrew Kopp this big, sexy name that jumps off the page for a lot of guys? You know, probably not for a lot of, for a lot of people around the league. Uh, you know, maybe not, but, I, but he, he fills a tremendous need and is just another piece, piece to the puzzle that is, is, is going to be sweet. Um Next signing, Olimata comes Wait, over. Can I say something, Rob? Go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm winning player. He's just a winning player. You winning watch. Player. I watched a ton of Rangers this year. He's a winning player. Um, said that was second line center. He's good in the faceoff circle. I don't know what his numbers are, but I feel like he was able to win a lot of faceoffs in crucial times this year for the Rangers in the playoffs. Um, and I think one thing you didn't really mention. I feel like he. It's pretty evident that he wanted to be a red one, which I think is a piece of building a culture, which the Red Wings are doing. Having guys who have veteran experience but want to be here. Like, I think it's pretty clear he wanted to come home and be, like, a part of, like, a, a, a new version of this Wings, like, core. 
So yeah, I, 100%. I, I, I think that's a piece of it. Go ahead though. That's all 100%. Right. Um, next signing, Ole Mata, left-handed, left-handed shot defenseman, um, comes over for one year, $2.25 million AAV. Um, defensive defenseman, there's there's not a ton to his offensive game. Uh, he broke into the league with Pittsburgh. Um, he's bounced around a bit since. I think he made a stop in Chicago um, and then played for the LA Kings this this last year. Um, this is a guy that can play on your penalty kill, and he's, you know, uh, like I said, he's not going to jump off the page offensively. But um, Olimata in his draft year, I think he was a, a middle first round pick. Um, so, oh, then that reminds me, Ole Ulevi was the other restricted free agent that did not get picked up uh, by the wing. So he's out, Olimata's in. I guess, you know, you keep the whatever, the Ole connection, it's working. So um, I'll, I'll get into a bit of where I think all these guys will play, but I think he'll complement a guy like Philip Pronick very well, who's um, definitely more offensive minded. And, and I'll talk about Philip Pronick more in a second, but. Um, a, a nice, a nice fit here, I think is, is a guy that, you know, probably gives you a lot higher upside than a guy like Ole Ulevi who you had last year. And, you know, you're, you're, you're cleaning out some of the, some of the, I don't know how to say it nicely, but you're draining the swamp a bit with your Danny DeKaisers and your Mark Stahl. And, you know, you're getting a guy that, that plays a similar Guys, you saw, game. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> your words, not mine, but you're playing a guy that you're, you're, you're bringing a guy in that plays that defensive game, but I think, you know, as again, another guy who's a really, really good skater, um, uh, nice long reach on him too. And um, I, I think he'll complement this, you know, some of these offensive defensemen that these, that the wings have, not that they have many, but Philip Hronick being the guy uh, and with a one-year deal, I mean, Hey, it's a, it's a prove it year for him perhaps. And a guy that it, depending on where things are at at the deadline, maybe you move them like you've been doing for some with some other guys these last couple of years. Maybe you hold on to them and re-sign them. But for for one year, two point two five million dollars on a, on a cheap deal like that, um, we'll take it. To stick with the with the defense, um, this was the only deal of the day, and I was texting with someone, a couple people about this. The only deal of the day that I don't want to say has people scratching their heads, but, you know, maybe a little bit of, of reason here to, to be a bit weary. Um, ben Sherratt, four years, $4.75 million uh, is the average annual value on that contract. Now, I don't say that because I think Ben Sherratt is a bad player. And I here's the thing. When people get traded and transactions get made in the NHL, all these fucking chart boys come up of, oh, here's, here's, the, here's this projections and here's this percentages and what percentile I'm not a big chart guy. I'm an eye, I'm an eyeball guy. And what I can tell you from eyeballs and in just factually where we were at at last year's trade deadline, Ben Sherratt was the most, if not one of the most highly touted defensive players available at the trade deadline. He goes over to Florida, makes a little bit of a playoff run. Obviously it didn't end the way that they had hoped with winning the president's trophy. Um, it ended up pretty damn quick for the, for the Florida Panthers over there. But this was a guy that was people were banging down the door to get this guy at the trade deadline for good reason. Left-handed shot, big body. Um, he is, I think he's 30 or 31 years old. I would have to double check on that, but um, his game is defense. He's a shutdown defenseman, uh, super, super hard to play against in the corners. And, you know, for a, a Red Wings team that sometimes you watch these guys play defensively, and this is the, has been the story for years of they give up a ton of shots, they give up a ton of goals, they get hemmed in their own zone, they're not good on the penalty kill, 
Well, you're, you're solving a lot of that with Ben Chirot, like a, a really, really tough customer. Another guy that's very highly respected in a lot of NHL locker rooms. And this is to me is a guy that keeps it very simple. Shut down defenseman makes a great first pass. He can move the puck up ice and end of story. And to me right now, Here's your top pairing. Ben Chirot, Moritz Sider, thanks for coming. Good luck playing against those two fucking guys. I'm just, I'm telling you right now. So the reason why you might look at this and go, eh, I don't know, four years, 4.75 mil. First of all, the market for defensemen, like defensemen get paid these days. So like anything below $5 million for respectable defensemen is a pretty good deal. So I'm not as concerned about the money as maybe the term because like Ben Chirot is a guy that to me could go either way of like, he can play into his mid thirties and be just fine. And maybe at $4.75 million, if he gets, if it's that bad down the line, maybe you're like, ah, okay. I don't know. But if he can, can, can keep up a consistent level of play and as time goes on and these younger Red Wings players, like your Albert Johansson's and your Simon Edmonton's move up the ranks, like maybe he's just your third pair guy and that's totally fine. But his game fits the Red Wings in a way that is much, much needed for a team that gets bullied in their own zone. He's the perfect guy to play along most Sider and be a shutdown pair on pair one. And a guy that has incredible NHL experience, has some playoff experience. Like this was, this was a great signing. It was because if it wasn't going to be Ben Sherratt, the Wings were probably looking at a guy like, like, like Kulak or I don't know. John Klingberg's, Klingberg's name came up again. I, I was the first one to break that my 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 brain when when he uh, requested a trade from the Dallas Stars I was like hey Detroit Red Wings come on over but it sounds like he wants some astronomical money that I don't think the Wings should pay him nor will pay him but you're looking at a guy like Kulak or I don't I'm trying to think of these other older defensemen of like they needed a veteran presence again like that's that's their whole shtick right like you don't have Mark Stahl anymore you don't have the Kaiser so like let's find a guy that been there done that it's not like he's 35 years old i think he's 30 or 31 years old but i like the signing a lot i do so you sure up your blue line there um we'll keep going through here um david perron two years 4.75 million dollars 34 years old david perron but this is like to me you want to talk about like a pro's pro like this guy got a like thank you david perron video after leaving st louis to come here for a guy that has not spent his whole career in St. Louis. So David Perron, yes, he's 34 years old, but I got to tell you, he averages a goal per game in the last three seasons. Like, it, it, like it's, I don't care about the age and every team needs veteran leadership, but, but last season, 1.42 goals per game. It looks like, and let was, was tied for like, I don't even know. I'm trying to read through all this, these, Metric. That's why I'm not a chart guy. I don't like reading the metrics. He can score. He can score the hockey puck. That's the bottom line. He can score the puck. So that's the guy that's probably playing on your second line. The two-year deal for me is perfect because a two-year deal allows you to do a couple things. Number one, if he keeps up consistent production, he's probably here for both years. Like he, he, he really, whether he's playing in your top six, middle six, bottom six, he's he, he can be here for these next two years, and you have no problem with it. If he has a really good season this year and you want to deal him or you want to hang on to him and deal him next season for a team that's 
competing for the playoffs. Now, I really think that the Red Wings are going to be competing for the playoffs these next two years. But, um, you know, David Perron is, is, is here to stay and he's still producing at 34 years old. The biggest thing for me that keeps popping up is 11, 11 power play goals for David Perron last year coming to a team whose power play is abysmal, like that helps you a lot. So again, you have a, a veteran presence coming in, in that forward group at, with David Perron, um, you know, a, a renowned leader, a guy that's held leadership positions on pretty much every team he's been on. So um, I love it for the sake of goal scoring. You always need it. And like that, you want to talk about developing these young guys and moving them further along. Like there might be not, not might not have been a better guy to pick up at, at in free agency than David Perron this year. Um, moving on. I think this is my last one to cover that actually like means anything. Dominic Kubalik. I mentioned this to someone. I was trying to find the text of when the Chicago Blackhawks did not tender him a qualifying offer, by the way, I don't know what the hell is going on in Chicago. You got to feel very blessed to not be a Chicago Blackhawks fan because my God, is that organization a mess? So Dominic Kubalik does not get a qualifying offer from Chicago. He comes over to the wings. Two years, $2.5 million is the AAV on that. Um, in my opinion, like this is one of those things that is just a, hey, we'll sign a guy to a cheap deal and we'll see if we can tap into what he what he did um, a couple of years ago. His rookie season, I think he scored 30 goals, exactly 30 perhaps. Um, and I think since then in like 150 games since his rookie season, he's only scored about 30, 35 goals, something in that range. So um you haven't seen the production of him that you did your, your rookie year um, out of Dominic Kubalik. But with that being said, um, I, I do think that this is a solid addition to your middle six um, left-handed shot. He'll play the left wing. Um, he historically has played a lot of power play time, really, really good left-handed shot too. So um, now I think that you're, you're looking at Dominic Kubalik as a guy that can play on your second power play unit. He's probably going to play on your third line. Um, and I would say your third line at this point is probably Philip Zadina's probably the guy that's playing on your, on your off wing there on the right side. Um, so whatever, again, two year deal, it's, it's really low risk for these guys. So, I mean, if, if he pans out great and you know, it, this could be one of those things where we're looking at Dominic Kubalik and he has two unbelievable years here and you're signing him long-term for a guy that's still young, um, or, you know, you, you move on when it's all said and done. So um, the other guy that was signed by the Wings, Mark Pissick, comes over. I think he's 30, 31-ish years old, similar to Sherratt, too. Um, I believe that was a one-year deal for $1 million. I'll go look that up real quick. Time out. Bear with me. Yeah, one-year deal, $850,000. He's 30 years old. Um, right shot defenseman. Um, so those are your free agent signings. And before I get into, into what the roster looks like, before I wrap things up here, I know I've been talking forever. I apologize. Um, but the big, one of the biggest moves the Red Wings made was before free agency. The Red Wings send a third-round pick. I think it was a third-round pick from this season. So a 2022 third to the St. Louis Blues for Billy Huso, um, goaltender out of, out of, out of St. Louis. Um, 27 years old, really kind of sprung onto the scene last year. And I would say, honestly, through the regular season, pretty much stole the net from Jordan, Jordan Bennington. Now come playoff time, he was a bit shaky. They ended up going with Bennington primarily in that series against the Minnesota wild before, um, you know, obviously you ran into the buzzsaw that was the Colorado avalanche and get knocked out of the playoffs, but a really, really good 
regular season for Billy Huso, who jumped on the scene, stole the net from Jordan Bennington. And, and this is just like, I, I just love the move from Steve Eiserman. I think they had three fourth round picks, two second round picks. You're looking at a third round pick for a goalie market. That was, I mean, people needed goalies this, this summer. And you see so many things moving around. You know, the Leafs don't want to re-sign Jack Campbell because of the term. He goes to Edmonton. They go trade for Matt Murray. Um, Peter Mrazek's on the move. Uh, uh, Cam Talbot's on the move. Marc-Andre Fleury re-signs in Minnesota. So all these teams needing goalies don't have don't have an idea of what they're doing at the goaltender position. Billy Huso was an unrestricted free agent who the Red Wings did sign to a three-year deal at $4.75 million after they traded for his rights. Steve Eiserman, when he was talking about this too, he's like, look, like we know people needed goalies. We didn't want to give him the chance to go to free agency. So we traded for his rights. It's a third round pick, whatever. We had four third, we had three fourth rounders and two second rounders. We have, we have negotiating rights. We signed his ass. Boom. There's your two goaltenders for this season. Billy Huso, Alex Nadelkovich. People gave Ned a lot of crap last year. And again, I have to remind people, it was his rookie year by technicality last year. I know he struggled a bit, but what you've seen from the wings in years past with this goalie situation is like, you're looking at a guy like, Oh, Thomas Grace is coming over or Jonathan Bernie is coming over. These like journeymen um, veteran goalies who you're not expecting a lot out of, but given the way the NHL is these days, he's probably going to play the same amount of games as your other guy. So now you have a goalie tandem that I think as a Red Wings fan, you should be ecstatic about because the, the, the vision is very, is very clear. Sebastian Costa signed his entry-level contract last year. Will he be in Grand Rapids this year? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think the Wings are in any rush for him. I think that he'll probably play one more year of juniors. He'll probably play one or two years in Grand Rapids, and then he'll come up and start picking away in the NHL. He looked tremendous this season in the WHL. We already talked about that, but the, the this is where you're headed between Nadelkovich and Huso. One of those guys will still be here when it's when it's Kosa's time to come up and start playing. Um, I who it's going to be, I don't know. I mean, Nadelkovich has one more year before his contract is up, so um, I'm assuming unless Kosa is ahead of schedule, they'll probably want to re-sign Nadelkovich, barring some you know crappy season that he has, but. I would probably lean on Billy Huso as, as being your starter, if you want to call him that. Um, but the fact of the matter is in the NHL these days, you know, very, very few teams roll with like one true goalie. So you're going to see these guys split time. I think Huso will probably have the net more than Nadelkovich. But you got to be happy about having a goalie tandem of guys that are 27 and 26 years old, respectively. Um, you know, Huso signed for the next three years. You have Ned for one more year at least. And until Sebastian Coase is ready, this is what you're rolling with. So all in all, as I now move into Red Wings lines and what we're looking at here, I think this team has been completely overhauled from last year from a standpoint of you got to be confident in what you're putting on the ice. So if we want to, if we want to run through projected lines, um, you know, a, a lot of these projected lines that come from these writers and these analysts look a lot of the same. There's really nothing I disagree with, but, you know, line one, you, you got Larkin between Bertuzzi and Raymond. It's really been your perennial first line for the, for, you know, last year it was um, the, the Larkin Bertuzzi combo with fill in the blank on that other wing. 
um, has been together for a couple of years now. Now, Larkin and Bertuzzi are two guys who will need contract extension. Steve Eiserman has already said he would like Dylan Larkin to be here for the rest of his career. So all you haters that want him traded or want him gone, too bad, so sad, find a new team. So he will be here if Dylan Larkin wants to be. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi, there's this weird cohort of Red Wings fans that want him traded. To that I say, F you. If the price is right, sure. But I think Tyler Bertuzzi should be here for the foreseeable future. So hopefully they get him re-signed. So Larkin between Bertuzzi and Raymond. Line two, Cop between Verona and David Perron. Keep in mind, you do not have Robbie Fabry yet, who is recovering from ACL surgery. So when the time comes, he's playing on line two or line three. You have Pew Suter, who I think I will double check here as I go back to my cap friendly, my favorite website on the planet. Pew Suter is here for one more year at $3.25 million a year. Um, so what the future is for him, I would probably tell you that this is his last year as a Detroit Red Wing, unless something crazy happens, because they're probably looking at moving Joe Valeno into that third line center role. Or like I said, when Marco Casper is ready, he goes to line two, cop goes to line three, and we love it. Um, so line three, you're looking at Pew Suter between Philip Zadina and Dominic Kubalik. In line four, you have Joe Valeno between Michael Rasmussen and Oscar Sundquist, or maybe Rasmussen plays the center position. Um, so now, as far as extra forwards, Adam Ernie and Giovanni Smith are the first two guys that come to mind. The tricky thing now becomes, what do you do with Jonathan Bergeron? I don't think the Wings are in any rush to bring him up to the NHL. Will you see him play NHL games this year? Yes. But based on what this roster looks like and what they're projected to be, especially when Robbie Fabry comes back, I don't think you're going to see Jonathan Bergeron play full-time NHL minutes this year, which is fine. I mean, he got his feet wet a pretty good amount in the AHL last year. They asked him to do a lot. Um, you know, maybe another year of him playing on that top AHL line will be good for him. They're in no rush to bring him up. Um, so that's what you project out as for now. I don't see Ed Murney coming back after this next year. Giovanni Smith, I guess, a prove it year for him is going to have a really hard time getting minutes in this lineup. But nonetheless, I think you have to be confident with that forward group. And then to move on to the D, um, your pairings are probably looking like Sherratt and Sider, Mata and Hronik. Your, your, your last pair is kind of up in the air here. I mean, you still do have Jake Wallman who was offered a qualifying offer from the Red Wings as a restricted free agent. So you'd like to think that they give him a real shot again this year. So on your third pair, probably Jake Wallman and Gustav Lindstrom. You also have Jordan Osterley to play with. You also have Mark Pissick to play with, who's probably coming in as a, as a, as a third line or a third pair defenseman or a seventh, seventh defenseman. Um, the other guy too, that you have to look at too, is Steven Camper, who was signed as a, uh, unrestricted free agent, I guess, coming out of Europe. So I wouldn't really call it a UFA, but um, nonetheless, a guy that's played several NHL games, um, probably a guy that knows he's going to be your seventh defenseman here, if not just a full-time AHLer who can be called up in a moment's notice. But that's how you roll the balls out. I love it. The team got a ton better. It's a more complete team. It's a team that has guys that have NHL experience that can compete that are still at really, really good points in their career. You're not getting guys that are about to be sent off the boat um, into retirement. Like you're getting guys that can play. So this team's going to compete. You're going to be able to aid some of your younger guys. And, and the pressure's on for some of these guys in this lineup now. Like your Rasmussen's, your Valeno's, your Zadina's. Not that I would say a guy like Valeno or maybe Zadina are getting pressed all that much, but like, th like they're moving. They've turned a corner here with this lineup. Like they're they are a 
much more complete team, a team that I think they play in an impossible division with how good this division has been the last couple of years and how good it will be this upcoming year. But this is going, this team that was built through free agency is a team that, as Steve Eiserman and Derek Lalone both said, they want to be a hard team to play against. They don't take nights off. They're going to be competitive all 82 games this year. And that is what you have built this year with this team. Now, where do we look? What do we look like in two years to four years? I don't know because what, another guy we haven't talked about defensively, Simon Edvinson. Like you now have eight to nine guys, I would say nine, including Edvinson. You have nine guys that can potentially play NHL minutes for you. I think a guy like Jordan Osterley is probably on his way out. Gustav Lindstrom will be an RFA after this year, not a Steve Eiserman draft pick. So I'm not sure how high he is on, on Gustav Lindstrom. But um, between Albert Johansson, Simon Edmondson, William Wallinder, these are guys that could jump into that top six, the top seven of your with your defense um, in the next couple of years or so and might move some of these guys out. So I don't know where we are two to four years from now, but I will tell you today as this sits, this is a Red Wings team that will not get pushed around this year. It won't happen. From the veteran leadership you have to the goal scoring you added up front to the depth you added at center, to the, to the more complete, solid defensive core you have at the back end, to going to get Billy Huso, who is, was going to start for some team somewhere in the NHL this year. This team can compete. There's a reason to be excited. I said this was the year they were going to make the playoffs. I don't know if they'll be there. I think they're going to push for a wild card spot, but you bet your marbles that come the 2023-24 season, there is playoff hockey at Little Caesars Arena. Mark my words. I'd put my life on it today. Stamp, sign, sealed, delivered. I'm fired up. Ryan Collins is fired up. Trent's fired up. I'm done with Red Wings you know, talk. I love it. What do we got? What's it called? Last thing about the Wings. It feels like with the signings, like you said, it's like it's a good mixture of, hey, we have these older guys, but it's not like the debilitating debilitating yes to our young guys development yes correct which i and like and i'm curious again the biggest question mark is going to be edmondson um and, and it seems like with the with just the sheer amount of defensemen they signed it doesn't look like he's going to start the year in detroit and, and and it's not a knock on him it's just one of those things of like hey you know they gave mo cider a year to play his pro hockey and in, in in the SHL, and then he came over and, and played a little bit in the A towards the end of that season. And, of course, he starts the year with your team. And granted, it was the right move because he won the Rookie of the Year award by a landslide. So I have always said that I think Simon Edmondson is going to be a better defenseman than Mo Sider, believe it or not. It just maybe from an up. Maybe not from a totality standpoint, but offensively, I think a lot of Red Wings fans are going to love to watch the way this kid skates and how he can contribute in the offensive zone. But my God, guys, like the, it just it just feels good, man. Like you're not you're not signing your your Adam Ernie's and your Carter Rownies and your Mitchell's. Like these are real hockey players that people have hockey cards of that use these guys in NHL video games, and they're you know they're highly rated in these. Like it's great. I'm excited. I am so excited. Like you could just like given the first two lines I just read off to you, first three lines, even down to four. Like you have players that are exciting to watch. Like 
Like you're going to get to watch Andrew Kopp between Jacob Vrana and David Perron. Like that is a real legitimate hockey line. And you don't even have Robbie Fabry to start the season. So it's all good, man. And, 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 and even looking at like the AHL, and again, if it is Jonathan Bergeron playing in the AHL to start the season, fine. But like, you're probably going to see Elmer Soderblom play in the AHL this year. You're probably going to see Cross Hannes. You have two more years of Taro Hirose. You signed Pontus, Pontus Anderson, Andreasen, whatever, from the SHL, who's 23, 23 years old. Like, that's a guy that hasn't really been talked about all that much. He's here for one year. Austin Sarnak from, from Seattle that got some time in the NHL last year. Um, defensively, like your Sabrangos, your Johansons, your your William Olinder. I don't think he signed his his entry level contract yet, but still. And then you have Kosa on his ELC, but you have UC Yokinura, the goalie from Finland. You have Victor Brodstrom for another year. It's looking good. I love it. Rabs likes the roster. Hashtag Rabs likes the roster. Hey, playoffs this year, Rabs. I'm with you. Playoffs this year, not next year. Why not? Why not? Why not us? Why not us? What else? Anything else anyone have? That was my wings talk. I got nothing for wings. Exceptional stuff from you. Exceptional stuff from Steve Eiserman. And exceptional stuff in Hockey Town going down. How's that? There you go. I love it. Got to talk about uh, Spencer Torkelson getting sent down. Yes, we do. So we can talk <laughs> Tigers. We can talk Tigers. By the way, way live, live, how are we? Go ahead, t- TB. Sorry, well, I was just going to say American League wins the wins the All Star game for the ninth year in a row. Greg Soto did get an out. He did record oh an out. After that day he made the All Star game is an absolute joke. I know they got to revise their whole like. He's adding the best reliever on the Tigers. I don't think every. Well, here's <laughs> the thing. It's crazy to say this, but it's true. Riley Green would have been your representative if he was up here all year. But well, well, he's played. If like he was up here, but Alex Lang probably should have been your representative. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Hey, Soto got, got an out. Too. Soto got an out. Miggy grounded out too. Only- can we can we say a, a couple things on the All Star game? Not that anyone gives a f, but I just a couple things on it. Um, a couple things I don't like. Number one, I get that like this year they were wearing their team jerseys, but they were like gold and black. Like you know what I mean? It had like the template. Yeah, that's the same thing. Jerseys. They gotta go. They gotta go back to it's wearing. Bad. I, it's really yes, bad. They need to go back to whoever whoever the host city is. If you're in, if you're the AL, if you're an AL host city, your all your whole team wears their white home uniforms, their respective home uniforms, and for the home run derby, you can wear jerseys like that. Like you represent the American League. Like, I'm yeah, I don't understand that. why they didn't do. They don't do that anymore. I don't know. I hate it. But that I don't like. Why was Byron Buxton an all-star? Isn't he batting like 220? I don't get that. He sucked to start the year. Because everyone, year. every team has to be represented. He was awesome to same. start the year, and then he got hurt. That's what happened. Oh, was he? I had that backwards. Yeah. Sorry. They got to read. He's been that. pretty. I don't think he's been that bad, Ravs. He's he's batting like 220, dude. Or like I think he, all, I, he look at his numbers, TB. I, I'm not, I haven't followed the Twins that closely. I, I would assume Buxton at least has 15 home runs. Well, I Probably. was just. I'll look that up as I'm talking here, but I, my I think he has like, six. I just think they need to adjust their like. I do not think every team needs to be represented. I understand why Correct. they do that, because but could it's you not an All Star game, dude? Could you imagine if the NBA did that shit and we got like the well, the it's different. They have Sacramento Kings, and I get to watch rookie Keegan Murray out there because every team's got to get represented. 
Collins, I know it's different, but it's also not like it's. it's I know it, it. No, it's way different because there's. Bucks in this season, by the way, is hitting two sixteen. Two sixteen. Uh, I don't have a six homer. homers. Right, got to be six Old. homers. Old, please. Old, so also please. he's probably the best defensive center fielder. Oh, in the league. 20, I mean, twenty three home runs this year. Yeah, he's. Uh, Whoa, six, yeah. six home runs. He, Sorry, Jesus. All right, Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton is eight twenty four. But yes, I, I agree. I agree, Trent. I think having having one person represented from every team, even the teams that suck, it's no longer an all-star game. So, like, yes, I agree. Also, this could be a hot take. I don't think Albert Pujols had any business being in the all-star game this year. He's batting below 200. And the fact that Miguel Cabrera was put in as a charity all-star makes me sick because he should he should have been an all-star at the DH position. Change, he should have just been mind. the Tigers All Star. That that's the thing, or Collins. Like because because Miggy was put in as charity, they're like, okay, well he doesn't count. So we're also gonna send Greg Soto, and it's just it's so ass backwards to me. Like, yeah, so he should gotta have, been have the every team represented, All-Star. but like you know, teams can be he represented. Been the Tigers All Star. He should have been the Tigers All Star, or if not, and then they should have done this next year for Miggy because it's weird because he's playing another year. Are they gonna yeah. do this next and, year? And I'm sorry. I love I love Albert Pujols. I grew up watching him. Do you he like actually... Albert Pujols? Do you? I fucking hate. I that. don't. I can't stand him. Really? I, he's I so just... good. He's he, him and Manny and Miggy are arguably the three best right-handed hitters of all time. But I don't like Pujols. I never have. Well, I uh, from a kid that again, he that's one of those like last guys that's in the league that I grew up watching. No, so, for sure, for sure. But but for the, the fact that he was like. Let everyone do their send off. Let everyone, let everyone, you know, stroke them when he comes to their field and give them gifts. What I don't have any problem with that because baseball's classy like that. He's batting under 200. He's not an all star. There's no reason to put him in. If you want to put him in the, in the home run derby, yeah, but that, the at, at the same time, run, right? Kobe made the all star game until the end of his career and he was terrible. As well, so, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, they also put like he's not a, he Durkin. was not an all star. He was not a winning player. I'm just yeah. saying they do this. For the greats, I like. I don't hate the move. He should not have been in the home run derby. That should not have happened. I would actually. I actually don't mind it because obviously of how many home runs he's hit over his career. Like for one last time, I and mean, he won a round. Well, I he mean, he was round. awesome back in the day. By the way, home run derby still rocks. Anyone who says it's shitty, I just completely disagree with. I love the home run derby. Yeah, it is solid. I have no no gripes about the home run. No, derby but people will try and like lump it in and say, "Oh, this." Someone tried to tell me the old format was better. I'm like, you're nuts, dude. No, it's still electric. I love it. It's way yeah. better. The format is ta- – I love the new format. Yeah, it's it's good. I enjoy it. All right. Uh, Anyways, so Tigers. Big news. Tigers, Tigers, Tigers. Big, big news. We can mention the draft picks too. I mean, obviously, I don't think – Yeah, Jace John, do you hear what Avila said today? No. It was basically his quote was, they didn't draft one high school player this time, and you wonder why. <laughs> yeah, he's been getting shit for like three years, and basically the way he was talking, he's like, "I don't know if I'm gonna be here for some of these guys if I, I get a high school guy." Yeah. So no shit. They're, just, they're basically talking about how Jace John could be a fast riser. So we'll see. Right. Well, hey, they finally took a bat. They took a position of need, really, at second base. When you look at the team this year, it's like, uh, so I don't know. It, it's like you said, Collins, earlier in relation to the NHL draft, it's always hard to like project like this kind of shit, you know, like Alex Fajardo was picked and went 2017, I think. And he's mm-hmm. just now, you know, he's just now starting to get in the draft. 
So anyways, I don't know. Jace Young comes to Detroit. Welcome to Detroit. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only thing on that, like outside of the big names in the MLB draft, I'm not, again, I'm not going to pretend like I know any of these guys, but um, Jace Young on a Texas Tech second baseman by trade and whatever. He doesn't project to be, to be anything more than an average uh, MLB second baseman. Great. Fuck you. Shove it. I don't care. Can he hit the baseball? And apparently he's, has power to all fields and and he had to be you know pretty nice college stats. I think he was like a 330 um career average at Texas Tech in college. So good for him, man. And second baseman. And I think their second or second round pick was a shortstop. So you're taking bats at positions of need. And by going the college route, I guess in theory, these guys are closer to being MLB ready than guys that are in high school. Unless you're like a Riley Green, who is obviously just a stud. Um, but you know, good for them. They mixed in some arms there and it's actually sounds like people were like pretty impressed with the Tigers draft just from like, you know, reading again, the draft grades and stuff. So like good, good for them. But again, I don't, you know, this is this, we weren't supposed to be looking at this draft praying that the guy they take at 12th overall can get up here soon because that's how bad a shape they're in. And that's where we're at. So cool. The draft. Great. The shift, the shift, the shift. The shift, the shift, the shift. Uh, Spencer Torgelson got sent down, probably a long time coming. Look, yeah. my thing with this, I don't see the point at this point in the season. I get the move from a baseball perspective because he's just not – he's got nothing. But my thing is, like, this would have made more sense. Guys, we've been talking about this since May. Correct. And, like, I think it would have made more sense back then when the team was hovering around 500, actually, quote, unquote, trying to compete for something, whereas now it's like, the team sucks. What's I just don't get the point now. I get that they're trying to get his confidence up, so whatever. But. Well, that's that's exa- that's exactly it. Is it? I don't think it has anything to do. If anything, Trent, honestly, like, yes, I have been saying. I told you guys bef- months ago. I'm like, just send them down and bring them back up for the Fourth of July, and like, you can play into the All Star break, like, no problem. But at this point, he has not improved at the plate, like, statistically at all, and. And can I, I'm going to say something and I don't, I don't want you guys, I don't look, there's no sense in reading too much into this. And he is a young kid that was drafted first overall. And there's a lot of MLB life left for this kid. I think he is going to be a fine major league baseball player. I have no doubts about that, but at a certain point, yes, he's struggling, but guys is, is a first overall pick. I'm sorry, but to watch Julio Rodriguez do what he's doing this year as a rookie and my guy's a one, one guy and he's fucking awful. It pisses me off. Like we can be critical of Spencer Torkelson. No, I he's agree. been awful, awful, terrible. Well, I, agree. So, I what the thing about it though, Revs, he has been awful. The thing that's really been discouraging is other than the first like 25 games, there's been no sign of life that he can hit the like he has power. Like, yeah, like like and it's been like fastballs down the middle that yeah, he like, can't like, catch up to. Like and I'm with you, Rabs. I think he he's gonna be a guy who figures it out because if you watch his approach and you actually watch the games, you're like you like a lot what you see. Takes a lot of tough pitches, he waits for hittable pitches. He hasn't hit any of them this year. It's fine to be critical. I'm fine with that. Um but I'm also at the end of the day. I mean, this is the right move. They got to move him down, and yeah. I, I think, uh, I to be honest, Trent, I think it's more the fact that it's like 
this guy's going to be on our opening day roster next year. Yeah, yeah. We might as well do this now until waiting till next year if he gets off to another slow start. And yeah, I think yeah. it's more of like, hey, buddy, like not just like get some confidence. Like, hey, buddy, you need to wake the fuck up. This isn't just this isn't like, yeah, I, the well, wake up call. I completely agree with you guys. I guess the reason I say I don't get the move at this point is because I just don't get what took so long. At some point, it was like yeah, no not setting shit. him down. I don't not. get a lot. I don't get a lot of things that they do. That well, that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. I just don't like this. Should have been done a month ago, and the fact that it wasn't done, I just was like, okay, well, it's not going to happen. I guess I don't know. And and here was here's here's my last thought on this situation. I I, I also am in the camp of I think Spencer Torkelson is going to be just fine. He's going to be a very good player for the Detroit Tigers. And he's going to be a franchise cornerstone along with Riley Green, Tarek Scoville, and what have you. I I to be honest, I don't. I'm not yet. I you see more out of someone I think this early in their career to be like, he's a franchise cornerstone. Well, I also think there's, there's a factor at play here where it's like when Riley green got hurt, I think all the excitement and pressure got like, it just shifted a torque. Like everyone's excited. Well, I think torque is, was always going to get that more pressure than green. Cause he went one, one. And I think there was a little bit more excitement than Riley green, a kid who's just kind of been in the system for a while. And torque was a fast mover. Um, I said it last year. I said it this year. Riley Green's is better than Torkelson. Yeah, I think we all yeah. agree on that. No, no, no. Yeah. Like, he, he's going to be a better player. He's the Tigers' best young player, not named. I mean, Terrence Struble struggled here the last month or two, but I still like Struble a lot. It's kind of hard to fucking pitch, like, consistently when your team's, like, 20 games under. I, I whatever. Yeah, and you um, never know what kind of runs. Yeah, I mean, it's the right move. I'm interested to see how he takes it. Um. I'm also yeah. So I mean, if he goes down and rates and comes back up here by the September call-ups or a little bit earlier than that, and kind of finds his groove, then it's a, a success. If he goes down there and he's hitting two fifty, and they just have to pity bring him up in the September and he's still struggling, it's real concerning. Real concerning. I I don't need him to hit like three hundred and hitting thirty home runs this year. I just need to see some signs of life that he has that pop. The only sign of life of power we saw was that Kansas City game where he hit that ball like 430 to left field. Other than that, I haven't seen him turn on one fastball. I haven't seen him drive a fastball in a really long time. So, whatever. I, I will say, last thing. For as long as he's gone, first base has to be Harold Castro almost every day. And the guy that they should bring up is Cody Clemens. That's yeah, yeah. I don't care. I. To be honest, guys, at this point of the season, I don't care who plays for the Tigers. <laughs> I'm kind I, of it's, I, I, they have beaten me down. They had that one little sixteen winning streak, and then they just followed up with complete dogshit performances day in and day out. So yeah, I have yeah. completely gone back to I, I, it's casual Tigers fan at this point. I put it on. I've watched something else in the background, and it is what it is. I would I, like to. I, the one guy I'm interested in seeing what's going on. Last thing on Tigers, I just want to see a kill Badu. Like, uh, if he sucks the rest of the year, then maybe I, I mean, we were all wrong about him last year. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, at least, at least he's up. At least he's up. I mean, again, yeah. I, this, 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 this Austin Meadows thing, guys, too. Like, uh, well, but the thing about it, everyone was trying to make a bit. I still, that's the thing I hate about like retrospect. Everybody who ran the Tigers would have made that trade. 
like third, like third, 25 out of 32 teams make that trade. Yep. I think so too. And it has just been snaping since the beginning of the year and it sucks. But yeah, I, I, I mean, Paredes said that awesome week. Crazy. Other than that, Paredes has not been great. Yeah. Like, yeah. Pra- was, that's the thing that's gotten blown out of proportion. Like people, I Paredes is this all world player. He had a really, really nice week. And I said this, I think Paredes is a major league baseball player. I don't think he's some superstar. We no, have not no. seen that. And when Meadows played, Meadows was good. Yeah, he, he was. Austin Meadows is still a better player, no, no question. No, so talk, I, about, talk about a guy you haven't seen power from either, by the way. Yeah, I mean, he's how many games has he played? <laughs> not a lot. Only know. like yeah. twenty. Not a lot. Um, this is a it's a lost season for the Tigers. So the, I, whatever. I don't know what they're going to do at the deadline. We can talk about that in future nothing, weeks. But... Probably nothing. Dude, I don't know who has Soto? I mean. I wouldn't. Dude, I might, dude. I don't want. Look, Greg Soto, guys. I've said this before He's on not this that show. Good. When, it, when this team is ready, whether it be in, in two years, 20 years, or 200 years, when this team is ready to, to play in the playoffs, you really you you tell me that you in a one run baseball game in the top of the ninth you want Greg Soto running out to the mound at Comerica Park in Game Seven to try to shut down the Yankees in the ALCS really because no, no. I would say Fair. no. So Fulmer is more than welcome to close. They can fucking let Joe Jimenez close for all I care. Who's been no. a little bit better? Well, I think. How many years games. is that guy going to be on this team? By the way, he's been here for twenty five years. Joe Jimenez. Yeah. He's actually kind of a nice year, bounce back year. Yeah, I mean, but he's it's every like it's every other year. Um, he's like, that's another guy who was your all star representative in 2018. Oh my god, it's a joke. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I bet they they're gonna trade one of those relievers. I just don't know which one. I would trade Soto. I'm I'm fine with it, but there's also a, there's also an element too of like there's no re, there's no sense in trading a guy like that just to trade him because you're like oh. We have to make a move. We have to sell. Yeah, to be you're, honest, you're not. You are not getting. You you need a, at worst, borderline AAA to MLB on the cusp position player prospect that can play for you immediately, damn near immediately. If for any of these guys that you trade, and I don't know who on this roster is going to get returned like that. Maybe if Soto has a really nice, really nice uh, couple weeks off the, off the all-star break and you roll into the, into the trade deadline and there's a team that desperately needs help at the back end of their bullpen. Like, yeah, maybe they're willing to part ways or something like that, but nothing Alavila has done makes me believe that he can pull something off like that. Like, you don't need arms. You don't. You don't. You don't need outfielders. You need someone that can play on the infield that can hit the baseball. And I don't know honest, what. Dude, if Illich, this is. I honestly think this is a bigger test. Illich is. I tr- I think if Yield's done after this year, no secret. Like I think he is gone. If they let him do something like Stan Van Gundy did on his way out, where they not like the Tigers are not in a position to make a trade like that unless they're like. Say they like did something crazy with like Javi, and no one's taking that contract. So like, but they should not allow him to make like moves. Uh, like fire him now, or just be like, 
I just want to roll this team going into the offseason. Just I don't want him touching any of these teams. Like I agree, dude. And that's why I've said all along he should not be allowed to go through another trade deadline with yeah. this team. No, because if if you're Collins, I hope you're right. And if you're wrong and they bring Alavila back next year, and that's the I said this to Trent the last episode. The saddest thing about all of this is that the the one time the GM and owners sit down in front of the media, they and maybe it is just whatever press speak because what are you going to say that we like, this team sucks, but they think it's like we're on a good path and and I just think that's so disingenuous for a team that saw Riley Green go down and they popped a boner and we're like we need a, we need an outfielder because that's what's going to get us to the playoffs and we're going to be able to compete. I'm not, I, do you not like the Meadows deal though? I well, still like it. I'm the, the thing about this all comes back to my entire, Oh, by the way, I didn't tell you Collins, but Castellani had a Twitter space the other day and I asked him a question. I was pretty, and I asked him about the outfield and, and I guess like, you know, he had some good points just about the fact of like, you know, I always bitch about the revolving door of outfielders that play in that last outfield spot. Cause I, you know, I essentially said like, when this team is healthy, forget about the Meadows trade. He's on the team now, but it's Meadows and green every day and who plays in right field. And, you know, Castellani was like, well, no one's really earned that spot yet, which I guess is fair. And again, I don't, you know, I would like, which is, which is fine. But I just think Collins, as far as when, when, when I found out that Austin Meadows was a Detroit tiger, I would be lying to you if I said, my first reaction wasn't like, oh, wow, this is cool because he's a proven guy that can hit and can hit for power. And he's now coming to the Tigers like that's a good move. But when you when after you let the smoke clear after the first 24 hours and it's just again, I am amazed that they don't they didn't have any trust in their litany of outfielders to take this team forward. And I'm looking at a team now that uh, rolls so out. You don't like the Meadows trade. Well, we can, no, I mean, I guess we can, we can look at it as hindsight is 2020. Well, I, I, and I don't, okay. I don't want to make this seem like I'm looking at that again, the one good week parade Ace had and the fact that Meadows has been hurt all year. Cause it's, it's a complete, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, what's anomaly. The, what's Listen, anomaly. The, Thank you. It's, yeah. it's been a complete anomaly on both sides of the paper, but I don't think it was a necessary move to make given what you have in the outfield. You could have had, and again, I know Badu sucked his first 30 at bats. I get it, but I would have been fine with a Badu and a green and a Reyes or a Badu and a Cameron and a, and to Castellani's point, when I talked to him, he's like, I don't think Daz Cameron's an MLB outfielder. And I go, dude, I'm thinking like, you know what? At one, one hand, I would tell you, we haven't seen enough of them yet, but on the other hand, it's like, you almost have like something's got to give. Have. I think we which, have, which, have. Which, goes, Raps, which goes are, right back to Avila. Raps is the king of give them more you time. Are, uh, you're like NBA guys who never give up on draft guys. Bagley like and Marvin yeah. Bagley. Just will never give up on it. And I'm not saying like Des Cameron could stick maybe on a team. He's not an everyday player. Well, same with like, like Derek Hill, Rabs. You love Derek. No, Hill. no, yeah, Derek Hill's an everyday player. <laughs> He's not. He has nice features. That, that, like that a lot. Verlander trade was so bad, so yeah, so uh, bad. Buddy, I don't. I I, I know. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I whatever. Buddy, I don't want to. I don't want to get into this again. Let's wrap. So let's wrap. Let's wrap. The, the Tigers we, stink. 
we don't. But but what before we we officially wrap it up. No, I don't dude, I can't do it. Well, I I'm can't. just I, I'm just giving I want to give like one last blanket statement of, of where I'm at. We could there is a lot like we we complain about this team a lot, but I I am probably the least confident in this team more so than any other team in the city. I don't to think that's fair, like ridiculous. I, I'm gonna to be say. honest though. I I I stand by this. I do think they'll be competitive next year. I do oh too. I do too. Rebs, they've literally their entire pitching staff is gotten hurt this year. Everyone's been. Hurt. I know, but injuries. and to be honest, third best staff in the league though, like bullpen wise. I understand that, Rebs. You also the one thing we didn't even talk about is your biggest free agent signing, other than Javi, is missing. He's MIA. That's they right. Lo- I forgot we had Erod. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, dude. <laughs> Can we so, cut him? I, I think they're going to. I I I mean, he's not talking <laughs> to the team. He's <laughs> that is like I I again I said this last. I time, hope everything's like all right with them. Me but too. Like, me too. But wow, but like it's bizarre. I I I honestly think they're gonna avoid his contract. Do you think there's a thirty for thirty documentary coming on Erod? No, I think it's more the fact that he probably did something in his personal life that was not good, and I don't want to speculate what it was, and he probably <laughs> had to take some time off. <laughs> I don't know if it's cheating. I don't know if it's drugs. I don't know if it's alcohol. I don't know if it's eat something else he did. I, 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 I'm just speculating, but for him to go off the grid like this and it's not an injury thing. Yeah, it's very strange. It has to be very something like that personal-wise. And he's not talking – if this was like, hey man, I've had some mental health issues. I had to go away for a while. Like, and they're like, I feel like the Tigers would have put that out there. Then, like, hey, he's like, he's going through some stuff. He's gonna take some time away from the team. It's been mostly like, no, he's taking time from the team for other reasons. So yeah, and they yeah. apparently they don't even know. Apparently, the yeah, they they have know. not there's no contact, which is so I I mean He's unreachable, they say. Unreachable. That is the word they use. So that, Rabs, to be honest, that doesn't help my case because when I think the Tigers are going to be, like, more competitive, it's going to be like, oh, I think they have a healthier pitching staff. You have Turnbull bat. You have Erod. You have Manning, I believe, is on another rehab start. Is he really? I think. Well, I know, I know, like, Turnbull's had to stop his throwing program already, too. God damn it. I mean, I fucking hate this team. Ah. <laughs> Everyone is hurt. All right. I want to talk about. Can we stop? Can we yeah, end the show? We're done. We are I done. get really mad talking about. We time. are done. Um, that is all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, you can follow us. You can interact with us on Twitter. We are at Motown underscore Rundown. We are also on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Submit questions, comments, um, suggest topics for the show. We'd love to have you over there. Um, don't forget to listen to every single episode. I did not phrase that the way I wanted to. It's midnight <laughs> now, but, um, we do post podcasts out on the internet for you to listen to. So we are on Spotify right now, exclusively. Currently we have signed a multi-year, multi-million dollar deal with Spotify, which is why we are only on Spotify. Not on podcast. Austin Rogan. <laughs> yeah. So we're working on the Apple podcast thing. I, I think allegedly that's Trent's job, not to sewer them, but we'll figure it out at some point. But we're on Spotify. You can follow them. us, give us five stars, say something nice in the reviews, uh, send it to your grandma or something. I don't know. Maybe she'll like the show. Um, but that's all for us. Thanks for listening. We'll love you guys very much. We'll see you next week.